0: this is episode number 1098 with new york times best-selling author ryan sirhant welcome to the school of greatness my name is lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur and each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness thanks for spending some time with me today now let the class begin Oprah Winfrey said, do what you have to do until you can do what you want to do. And Benny Lewis said, the difference between a stumbling block and a stepping stone is how high you raise your foot. My guest today is Ryan Serhant, who is the CEO and founder of Serhant, his real estate company. And Ryan is one of the most successful real estate brokers in the world. Averaging a billion dollars in sales every year, he is also co-star on Bravo's hit show Million Dollar Listing New York, and the author of the national bestseller Sell It Like Sirhan. He has written a new book called Big Money Energy: How to Rule at Work, Dominate at Life, and Make Millions. And in this episode, we discuss the most important principle around making money, the secrets to winning in any negotiation. And Ryan realized he's never talked about this before publicly, and it's that crucial to his success. How to make more money at your current job, the next three steps you should take if you're feeling financially stuck, and so much more. If you're enjoying this, please share it with someone that you think would be inspired to listen to this as well. You can just copy and paste the link wherever you're listening to this or send people to our show notes for this episode at lewishouse.com 1098. And if this is your first time here, click the subscribe button over on Apple Podcast right now or on Spotify, and stay subscribed and up-to-date from the latest and greatest from around the world of the top minds on how to unlock your inner greatness. Okay, in just a moment, the one and only Ryan Surant. Time is so precious, and Expensify makes it easy for you to get paid back. Simply put, Expensify makes it easy to manage your expenses, bills, invoices, travel, and business-slash-corporate card spend all in one place so you can focus your time elsewhere. You can get reimbursed as soon as the next year. Day. And If you have to travel for work these days, Expensify offers lots of supported features for the modern day traveler such as automatic international currency conversion, concierge for all your travel needs, real time notifications and mileage tracking. Expensify is the most widely used expense management platform in the world with over 10 million users. They're built for the small business but strong enough to support the complexity that might be needed for companies of all sizes. Visit Expensify.com slash greatness to get started with a free trial. That's Expensify.com slash greatness. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. Very excited about our guest. Ryan Serhant is in the house. My man, good to see you. Good to see you. I'm excited to connect because I've known you for a few years. I've been watching your stuff on Bravo for a while. Uh, But I love the idea that you didn't know real estate and then you learned it. And in your first year, I think I read that you'd only done like $9,000 in transactions. And then, you know, over a decade later, you do the second largest sale in the US history of a private home for $134 million in one transaction. So to go from someone who didn't know a skill, real estate at all, to not really doing well in the first couple of years, to then selling, you know, one of the, the highest. Uh, the biggest sales in U.S. history is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. And the lessons you've learned along the way uh, is is inspiring to me. So I'm, I'm excited that you're here. And my my first question for you is, what is your greatest fear now that you went from nothing in real estate, have built this massive brand, and continue to achieve more and more success? What's the greatest fear while you're at this level of success moving forward?
1: I think... My biggest fear now, um, well, I think a lot of our fears stay the same, right? Like I I still get scared about money, but it's relative now, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's different fears. Like when I first started, it was how am I going to pay rent, right? It's 1100 bucks. What do I have to do to make $1,100? And then what do I have to do for more money so that I can Pay for food, and you don't even think about savings that way. Like you're just, mm. how do I get through each month? Now it's okay. So I just rented the Tommy Hilfiger headquarters, fifteen thousand square feet. It'll be the biggest wow. office and retail lease in Soho this entire year. Uh, I I have to pay for that personally. How much do I have to sell so that uh. I can pay for that? Yeah, I got to build it out, and the build out is a million dollars in cash. Uh, how much do I, so th- those fears are always there. I'd say my biggest fear now is, honestly, um, it's not letting down my daughter, um, who I now have. I didn't have a kid back then, so I have a baby girl now, Zena. She's two. She's, you know, she kind of wakes up a little bit more every day. Um, and she is getting more and more aware of me and my being there and my not being there. Um, and I I feel like I've spent so much time trying to figure out myself and what works well for myself and how I work and how I do this and how I can be successful and how I can make money and how I can sell things that like I don't wanna let her down by one, not being there, but also not teaching her the right way and Am I teaching her the right way? And she's not an employee. She is a baby. And how do I be careful with her? And how do I, you know, like those are my, my, that's, that's like, she is my, my biggest excitement, my greatest joy, and also my biggest fear at the same exact time. Um, that coupled in, you know, a continuous fear of failure, right? Like I, I, I set this thing up. I started this business in the middle of a pandemic. I'm doing this stuff. I I can't fail because I also don't want to let everybody else down. You know, just like yourself. There's, you know, there's there's agents all around the world who uh, follow what we do and have gotten into real estate because of us. And now I got to sell more just to <laughs> keep them inspired. Ah! So it's you know, there's 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 weight there that I definitely mm. feel.
0: Yeah, the bigger we get, the more pressure or weight that there is, for sure, until we learn how to manage it. I'm curious, if you. Uh, sounds like you have a, a great connection to your daughter and it's, it's made you think in a different way as a, as a human being uh, than before you had your daughter. If you could only share one principle around money with your daughter and you could never share another principle for the rest of her life, what would that one principle be?
1: Scared money don't make money. What does that mean? Uh, I mean it's it's from a rap song. But um <laughs> what what it means is you you can't put money on a pedestal. Oh. You can't be afraid of it, right? Money is a resource. It is there. The minute you're afraid of money, the minute you're afraid of anything, that thing wins. And it's always you versus the thing. It's you versus food. It's you versus Money. It's you versus religion. It's you versus that guy, that girl. It's you versus traffic. The minute you get afraid of it, then then it wins. Um, and you can talk about how well. It's not all about winning and losing. It's about enjoying the game. And I I, I get part of that, but I also don't. Um, and I want her to know that money is a resource and. It is there to provide her with options, so I don't ever want her to be afraid of it. I don't ever want her to be too excited about it either, right? To be so afraid of it, she gets so obsessed with it because mm. that is also not the right way. Um, and you know, you've got to be able to spend money to make money. We were just talking about that before we started, right? Like I have always put myself in uncomfortable financial situations because I know myself and I know Mm. that I will fight my way out of it so that future Ryan looking back in time will say, hey, remember? Remember when I was afraid of rent? Now look what I'm afraid of. Um, And I I think it's tough for people to learn that, that, that if you're scared of money, you will not be able to make money. Uh, and you will let money rule your life and control your life, and you will forever be a slave to rent. You'll forever be a slave to the dollar. Mm -hmm. You'll check your bank account 10 times a day out of anxiety, or you'll never check it because you're so nervous about what's not in there. Um, uh, And then you'll just become another cog in the wheel of society, and you'll just become a worker bee, and that's... uh, And I don't want her to do that. You know, I want her to know that, especially now in the 2020s, man, in the, you know, the 2020s, the 2030s, the 2040s, like she, she can do whatever she wants. She can be whoever she wants. She can be the president. She could go, you know, with Elon Musk's little kid, whose name I don't know, um, (laughs) and go, like, start a new business on Mars. Like, let's go. Whatever you want to do.
0: Do you feel like there's a, Every time you hit a new level of financial opportunity, financial gain, success, do you feel like the old fears come up? You know, you've got to spend 20 times more in rent than you ever have before. Is there the same fear, or do you feel like you can ever master the fear no matter how much more money you're dealing with?
1: I don't know if you ever master anything. I think you make things relative, and I think you keep pushing but it also depends on what makes you happy, right? Like I, I am the type of person, and I know this about myself, I am not gonna be happy in a nice three bedroom house <laughs> with a fence and like a car and the ability to go on vacations and just like live an awesome life. Like that's an awesome life for so many people. And I, and I envy those people who can mm-hmm. be okay with that. Um, I am not okay with being okay. Um and you know I have always wanted more, not out of greed, but kind of like a mountain climber, right? You talk to the, you read the interviews and the books and the podcasts of the guys that have climbed Kilimanjaro and Everest. It's like, dude, why the f- would you do that? <laughs> like, it's you know, you don't have to climb the mountain; you can go around. They're you know, like, I climb it because it's there. Like, I, they can't not, you know. And I and I feel the same way about my own life, and my own career. You know, there's so many paths I could have gone down that just definitely wouldn't have worked out, but if you can find that one where things start to work a little bit, like you get like take it as far as you can because who knows when you'll get that opportunity again and life is really 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 quick and then the next thing you know, COVID and you have the blood type that is not going to be okay. And I wish I had just taken advantage of that opportunity last year and I I never want to be the type of person who says, you know, if only like that yeah. i think
0: i wish i would have
1: yeah you know if only are probably the two scariest words that i can think about because before i know it i am going to be at a point in my life and older where i i hope not but i could look back and say well you know if only i'd done that when i was 30 36 15 and i understand that Regret is a part of life, and um, there's always going to be mistakes. There's always going to be things we missed. If only I'd bought Bitcoin at a hundred bucks, you know, stuff like that. But <laughs> right. I, I'd rather regret the things I did than the things I never tried.
0: What's some of the greatest lessons or lesson you've learned from some of your clients? Maybe they weren't actually even trying to teach you something. But just by their energy, their way of being, of you showing the homes or the conversations you had with negotiations, or just their approach to life, was there any few lessons that have really stuck out from maybe the uber successful, you know, billionaires, or in the first couple of years when you were just working with, you know, people that were maybe buying uh, less fancy homes?
1: Oh man, I feel like I learned something from every single one of my clients because they come from a different walk of the earth that i've i've never been on right like we all have our own journeys we all learn our own lessons i'll say like if i dig down you know one of my first rental clients ever because you know i i got into the business at the end of 2008 so that i could stay in new york city so that i could pay rent right? And so real estate was way better than waiting tables or bartending or getting a temp job and being a receptionist or going back to school or moving home. Uh, And so I would post ads for rental listings on Craigslist. I'd meet people on the corner of like, you know, Christopher and Greenwich, and I would get lost with them in the West Village, trying to find like that walk-up building to go up six flights of stairs to hope to God the door would be left open for me because if it's not, then I'm the worst. Um, uh, and trying to rent, you know, apartments for 1000 to $3,000 a month, right? That was it was nearly two years of my life. Um, Man, I uh, wish rent was that that cheap right now in New York. Yeah, Grendi- right? Credit to Christopher for 1000 a month? Give me that rent. No, that was more like Avenue D. Um, <laughs> uh, and that was like run real fast to get up there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I had like, I had one client a girl her name was jessica and she you know was renting an apartment her and her two roommates um and so we were looking kind of like ideally a three-bedroom but they couldn't afford it so we were just going to look for a one-bedroom that could be cut up into three bedrooms uh and she had her parents on the phone the whole time because they were guaranteeing it and they couldn't be there and i got lost and i wasn't I, west Village. I wasn't familiar with the West Village. I didn't know the streets. I knew the grid because I lived in Koreatown. I lived on 31st Street in Broadway. I knew the grid, right? It goes from east to west, north to south. Mm-hmm. Like, you can figure it out. Um, you go to the West Village and you're like, oh, so these roads were created by horses <laughs> uh, and no one ever <laughs> changed it. So I guess I got to figure that out. Um, and I got lost. And uh, I got lost like twice. The first time I kind of sold my way through it. The second time, I didn't know where I was going and I couldn't figure it out and I didn't have an iPhone back then, right? Mm-hmm. This early 2009. Uh, and she told me on the street um, that I was the worst. She regretted calling me um, and that I should never be allowed to do real estate with anyone ever. Wow. And I left. And I quickly ran the other way. I think I had like tears in my eyes. Um, uh, but that lesson was no your. Mm-hmm. Like no matter what, doesn't matter how long you've been in any business, doesn't matter. It, all everything goes out the door. But the one thing I could control was I could have I could have researched better. I could have prepared better. The tour that I was going to take her on, I could have woken up I could have woken up an hour earlier and done that tour because I knew I I didn't really know where I was going. I just was lazy, right? I didn't have the time. I was like running. I found other things to be busy with. Mm-hmm. I, I just figured I'd figure it out and um she probably, she'll never call me ever again. I still think about her. Jessica, if you're listening, I'm sorry that we got lost in the West Village. I should have done my homework and done that, but but no, you're, I'd say a little while after that, I met a client, um, uh, an international client who really was the light bulb game changer for me hmm. because I had zero confidence in myself. No one knew me in New York City. I made the determination at that point, okay, if I'm going to stay here and do this, I want to be the best. I want to be the best real estate broker ever. I know I'm not from here. I don't look like the best real estate broker. I definitely don't blend in, mm. um, uh, but I can figure it out. Uh, and no one would buy it. No one would believe me. I was super young. You know, I was in my early 20s and I had premature gray hair at the same time. So it was just <laughs> sort of weird. Um, and I didn't go to the schools here. My family's not from here. So the best agents in New York City, the ones who make millions and millions and millions of dollars have all that. Um, And then this international client reaches out. I super get lucky and she flies into New York and I just had this light bulb moment of saying to myself, you know what? I am gonna be the greatest salesperson in the world for her. I'm not gonna mess up like I did for Jessica or like I did for a bunch of other people. I'm gonna know my, I'm gonna memorize everything I'm going to fall back on the information that I have in my brain. And I'm going to present myself like the real estate agent I want to be in five years. And she's going to see that person. I'm going to put on a show, right? Mm. Like I came to New York City to do theater. I'm going to put on the best performance of my life. And let's see what happens. And it worked. And she bought an apartment for $2.1 million. And it's not the biggest deal I've ever done in my life, but it it. That commission I think was like 24,000 bucks, something like that. That was two years of rent. Mm. It gave me a, It gave me some breathing wow. room. She proved to me that I can be whoever I want to be. I just gotta believe in it and I gotta tell people. Um, those are probably the two biggest lessons that I learned early on in my career. I've learned lots of lessons since then, but um, those were two important ones that really shaped how I carried myself and started working on my career and building my brand going forward. And that was 11 years ago.
0: How did you learn to believe in yourself when you didn't have the credibility or the skills yet?
1: I realized that the most confident people in the markets that I was dealing with, so the most successful people, the most successful agents, brokers, developers, bankers, whatever, right? They carry themselves with confidence because they played the game like they already had the money in their pocket. They weren't desperate. There's no desperation. It was, Mm. they walked into the room like they already won. And this was Mm. their second time coming here, right? Like they already had the master's jacket. They already had the green jacket at home. This is the second time. Um, And they could keep calm, they could keep their nerves, and they always relaxed on the fact that, ah, I played this hole before. I've been here before. Even if they hadn't, they practice it so well and studied it and rehearsed it and learned it and knew the gradients and knew everything that even if this is the first time they're hitting the ball on this pole, it's as if in their core they've done it 100 times. Um, And so they could believe in themselves as being the greatest golfer. And so for me, it was, okay, all I have to do is memorize information, study the information, know what I'm talking about, and then I can always fall back on facts, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And and then I just have to then believe that the facts will help me tell the stories and do the deals. And then I just have to be a person and that's it. And I think I can be great, right? Like I, I looked at all these people that were doing what I was trying to do and they were doing much better than me and making way more money. It's like, wait a minute, I why not me, mm-hmm. right? Like I said, you know, if only are the two scariest words in the English language for me, Uh, why not me are the three most motivating words Mm. in the English language for me because they always push me to to do a little bit more. And so I would say that's how I was able to kind of like build that confidence was just learn the information, right? Learn everything about a certain area and that's how I'm gonna beat the internet right? Because these people can buy on the internet now, you know, then mm. and now, especially they, they can sell on the internet. They don't need a real estate salesperson. You know, real estate agents are going out of business. They're going out of style. Who needs a human anymore? turns out humans need humans to help them make decisions. Mm. And until a house figures out how to sell itself to another house, we'll still be there. Right. Um, as long as we know more and can discuss the information and, that gave me the confidence to then move forward, and then I would do one deal, and I would just scream it from a mountaintop, so that the success of today would beget the success of tomorrow, and mm-hmm. then just keep pushing and pushing and pushing, and then I, here I am, thirteen years later.
0: And what's the uh, the greatest strategies you've learned about negotiating down and negotiating up? <laughs> you know, if you just negotiated down. I think you said a big amount off of, uh, rent, uh, for your, for your new office space. But you also negotiate up to try to get the maximum out of, uh, selling as well. So when you're buying and you're want to, what's the most you've taken off of a listing price that you've helped someone buy and purchase and what was the strategy for getting it to that much off and also in the reverse
1: above listing? Can can I tell you something that's so interesting about that question? I've done a lot of podcasts. I I do a lot of talking about real estate for 13 years. Um, no one has ever asked me how to negotiate, and I ju- and I don't know why. <laughs> You're the first guy to ask me how to negotiate, and it's what I do all day long. It's so yeah. sure. people are like, well, how do you close and talk to me about this that? You're the, it's so. Interesting, um, and I wouldn't have known mm. to tell you to ask me that question. Like if you had said, "Ryan, what's the one?" Qu-? I, I wouldn't have jumped to that, and, and, I, and I also don't know why. But to answer your great question,
0: well, the reason I ask is because I feel like anyone listening and myself—I've never purchased a home. Sure, I've done investments and stuff like that, but I've never purchased a home, and I'm always thinking, okay. And you triggered it by saying, "Well, I got this lease for you know way more than the asking price off." I'm like, well, how do we negotiate down sure. a car, yeah. a house, a, a whatever? And how do we negotiate up to get a premium on what the market is offering? What is the psychological strategies? What is any strategy done in an ethical manner in order to do that? Is it an energy thing? Is it psychology? Is it, uh, you know, the yes. approach? What are all these things that you do? To, and, and what is the biggest down negotiation you've had and the biggest up? And then what are the strategies?
1: Sure, so there is an amazing movie starring Matthew McConaughey called The Ghost of Girlfriend's Past, Mm. (laughs) okay? It's classic, everyone should see it. Um, At the end of that movie, Michael Douglas is like his dead uncle who like taught him everything he knows about dating. And he's got a scene where he says, the one in the relationship who has all the power is the one who cares the least. And that is true Mm -hmm. for any business negotiation, house negotiation, promotion negotiation, anything. What if you
0: really want it? You really want it, but you can't show it.
1: Yeah, 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 I'll get to that. Um, So how to negotiate down, okay, um, uh, is by far the easiest because uh, all you have to do is not want it, right? You have to be willing to walk away. You have to be willing to be okay with loss and know there are other options. Mm -hmm. So the biggest discount I've ever gotten was probably I would say uh, this summer, the past summer that just happened. So listen, COVID hit and destroyed New York City. Mm -hmm. A million people left New York City. Wow. The real estate market was soft here to begin with because of oversupply and it got real bad. Like Mm. transaction volume dropped by over 80% when COVID (sighs) hit, disaster. So the lowest market, I think, in real estate history was this past summer. So I had a buyer, which means it was a great opportunity to buy for, to buy and for opportunists who, who know that you don't bet against New York City. Like, uh-huh. And so uh, there was a seller at a building called 157 West 57th Street. Okay? Um, they bought this apartment for $34 million years ago. Oh my they gosh. outfitted it with about $2 million worth of upgrades, oh audio, gosh. furniture, everything. So $36 million in. $36 million in. It's been on the market for a while. They'd cut the price down. They're losing they, money. They're losing they, money.
0: What were they trying to sell it for?
1: Uh, I think they started really high, and then they, like everybody- Like $50 million could, or something? Or. Yeah, I don't remember if it was that high, yeah. but then they went down- Um, I think they eventually got down to like 25. Wow. So they were willing to take a $12 million loss um, uh, because they own it in cash. And so it's like, what else can I do with the money? And listen, people are like, oh, I lose so much money in real estate. You you don't lose money if you don't sell. So the asset is worth something when you buy and it'll always be worth more at some point unless you need the money today. If you need the money today, yeah, sure. Could you lose money? Yes. Um, uh, Which is why cash flow will kill you. But anyway, so I had a client who just wanted a great deal. He's like, listen, I don't need to buy anything in New York City. I don't even know if I would ever even use it. But, but if you find York- me a deal of a lifetime. Yeah, but if you I'm find interested. me a good deal, I'll buy. And so that to me is a challenge. Where I say to myself, all right, all right, dude, let me see what I can find you. <laughs> so I see this apartment. It's been on the market for a while. I say, let's go see it. Sees it. Uh, okay. All right. What do you want to offer?
0: Right now it's
1: around, it's around 24 at this moment. 20, yeah, 25. Yeah. So we offered 15 million, okay? This guy's in it for 36, we offered 15, which is 10 million off the current ask, which is already reduced 20 by- 20
0: million, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and long story short, fast forward, uh, we held firm for four months, and he just said, listen, I'll buy it, but I don't need it. And we went out, and we saw other things, but at the same time, I kept pushing him a little bit. like because I want to get a deal done. So Mm -hmm. let's go uh, 15, 250, right? All right, fine. Give them another 250. It's not going to, it won't do anything. But I slowly, slowly, slowly got them to come down, 22, 20. So you could tell they wanted to do a deal, but the one in the relationship who has all the power is the one who cares the least. So we, I got them up to 16 and a half and we held firm. They came back Finally, at sixteen seven fifty, (laughs) and that was the hardest negotiation I'd ever have to do. Is get him up two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Shut up, because he's like, I don't
0: want it. I'm already up more than I want. Yeah, exactly. I don't don't
1: need this. Why are you buying? I'm not buying this. And I, I again went through the whole process. I explained to him the value. It's like the money doesn't mean anything to you, and you're buying this for fifty one percent off. This is going to be the biggest Mm -hmm. luxury discount trade in the history of New York City, and we closed. And that's exactly what it was, wow. CNBC, CNN, every single press, but you can look up the deal, it closed last summer, or sorry, uh, it was summer close towards the end of the year, actually, probably. You know what, I think it closed in December, um, uh, and he bought it for 51% off. Wow. Since then, the market's totally rebounded. So that was holding firm and saying, basically saying, hey, please sell to someone else. By all means, please sell to someone if you else. you can find a buyer, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Sell to somebody else. Um, Negotiating somebody up is a different story, right? It's the fear of loss, but on the total opposite side. Um, uh, and Ooh,
0: I, gotta, I got a good offer here. Should I just take it and not go for more?
1: Sure. Um, but if you're trying to get a buyer to pay more money, then you're you're working on what we call the difference between a want and a need. So how do I make a want a need? So this guy might want something. Yeah, sure, they want it. But I'm only going to get him to pay more if I convince him that he needs it. And so you have to then look for people's points of fear. Mm. If he doesn't get this, what what triggers that fear? Like What's he going to be afraid of? Is it finding something else that's as nice? Is it doing the whole process all over again and going and trying to find something else? Is it his wife is going to be pissed? Is it they won't be in the school district? Whatever it is, that fear. And you do this on both sides. For any negotiation, a a tip is, and I I, I, I write this down. If you're in between one side and another, you write down what makes the other side afraid what makes that side afraid? Mm. And you play towards those fears to get the exact number you want. And oftentimes, I'll pick the number ahead of time before I even start to the negotiation. And more often than not, I always get my sides to the number I knew that they were going to come to anyway. Uh, what, um, how, do you, how do you ask what their fear is without asking them what their fear is? You talk to them just the same way you talk to people. You ask questions. The greatest thing any adult likes to do is hear the sound of their own mm. voice. <laughs> talk about right? their life, yeah. Talk about their life, talk to me, right? Let them yell, let them, when clients yell and scream and get angry, it shows to me that I'm getting closer because mm. they would not exhibit that emotion if they didn't care. And the one who cares the least holds all the power. So if you're yelling mm. and screaming at me, you just, fuck that guy and I'm not doing <laughs> this and screw him and you're hanging up the phone, you're calling me back, or you're going to text me tomorrow, or you're so, going to hey, email me in three days. Be like, well, Where can is we he? get that? Can we get exactly. that? Yeah, <laughs> right. So um, I would say, I dude, the, the deal we just did in uh, uh, in Palm Beach, right? Um, uh, he was looking at things that were in the ten to 20, $25 five million dollar range.
0: I <laughs> mean, went for one hundred thirty four, and he paid one hundred thirty four. That's crazy.
1: Yeah to understand so what's the fear there right if you start to look at um those types of buyers who have that type of money the fear there is one you're gonna buy a house that is gonna be out of market in 12 months mm. right so do you really want to even spend if you have the money do you want to spend 20 to have a house that's going to be dated in 12 months to have a house that's going to be rebuilt by somebody else that'll be oh. worth even more do you want to be driving by other people's houses that are nicer that you could have just times spent bigger up- yeah exactly yeah. Um, uh, also there's a tax play. Um, and so Mm. how do you upsell? Um, one, you play to the fear, you turn a want into a need, and then you also don't focus on the money. You focus on the value. So it's not about the money. It's not about it being $134 million of dollars, right? It's $134 million in value because, he would have spent that money in tax, right? And so in Florida, there's no state income tax. And so let's not spend that money in New York, let's spend that money in, uh, on the beach, right, in, uh, uh, in Florida. And there's a lot of different things you can do there, but um, uh, uh, it's about playing to those wants, turning them into needs and saying, hey, this house can't be replaced. Is it a lot more than you wanted to spend? Sure, also, don't buy it. <laughs> right don't buy it so you're not pushing it not
0: not pushing on someone taking it away from them
1: yeah yeah
0: we do the takeaway not not being
1: desperate not being like you need this
0: house you should get it but saying hey don't buy it
1: yeah listen there i could talk to you about how to negotiate a thousand times negotiation is uh, is all an improv everybody has different triggers everyone has Mm -hmm. different cultural ideas for how they want to negotiate people are born stubborn people are born soft like they're everyone is completely different uh, you know, you you play to people's egos, right? You play to the fact that, um, you know, it's okay. It's totally fine if you can't afford this. Let me go show you something else.
0: <laughs> oh, we'll find something in your price range.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, listen, it's totally okay, <laughs> right? That's the wow moment. Like the wow moment is when you, someone gives you a budget, you show them four houses in the budget and one that you tell them do not buy, I'm not even telling you, I just want to show you because I got access to it and it's insane. Let's just go for two minutes. Let's just go. let show you
0: what it. you could get in maybe five to 10 years. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like listen, this is so awesome. It's on the way. Let me just show you for fun. Wow them. And I dare them to buy anything <laughs> in the price range.
0: <laughs> Wait a minute. So, uh, let's say you do this a uh, hundred times to your clients. Yeah. Um, you, you show the four options, three in their price range, one in the lower end, one in the middle, one in a little bit higher, and yeah. then one three times more than what they're thinking have, or 10 times, whatever. How many people, what's the percentage of people that take the one that's so far out of their price range?
1: Super small. Like maybe 3%, 2%? Yeah, I would say 5% actually uh-huh. go for it. But what I'm trying to do is not actually sell that property. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to close them in general. Because I don't want to show anyone ten houses or twenty houses or fifty houses. That's not a good use of my time. No. My job is to sell and to close. So I will, you know, when people say, hey, I want to see something between one and two million dollars, if I just show you houses between one and two million dollars, you're gonna to want to go back out next weekend and then next mm-hmm. weekend. And then you're gonna go on Zillow and you're gonna see a thousand things, and then your friend's gonna tell you about this other place and da 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 So if I show you three to four houses that are the best because I know all the product. I know all the inventory. These are the best. You should buy any of these. And let me just show you one more thing, and it's 3.2. Do not buy it. Don't even think about it. Don't call your banker. I know you can figure it out. You're rich. I get it. I get it. it. Even if they're not rich, right? Pad the ego. Um, uh, Then what I do is then I take them to something that's 2.2, 2.4, 2.5. So it's above the budget, But it's not nearly as scary as the house I just blew their socks off with. And then I take them to the house that I knew they were going to buy all along, which is then how you close them. Because then we go in and they're like, well, this one, I think I can make this one work. Like, yeah, I know you can. That's why I brought you here. right? (laughs) But we got to move fast because somebody else is interested or whatever the situation might be. That works 70% of the time. Wow, that's great.
0: So instead of doing... Six weeks of showing every weekend with them, you show one weekend, four, five properties, and hopefully yeah. you can get to a faster decision.
1: I had a, a woman client years ago who taught me that lesson because she wanted to see everything in the city, Upper East Side, Downtown, die let's go to Brooklyn, let's look at and I And I, I just said yes because I, I didn't want to lose her as a client, right? She's going to buy, she's got the money, she's pre-approved for a loan, let's go. And she just couldn't figure out what she wanted. And I kept trying to get it out of her. And I was like very close to firing her. Like I've never fired a buyer, but I just kind of wanted to be like, you know what? I don't think this is work. I can't be your New York tour guide. Thank you. I've seen more apartments with you than I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Um, but if you're not actually going to buy something like I got to show apartments to people who will buy them because that's how I make a living. I don't, there's no salary. There's no benefits in this job. I eat what I kill. Um, And then I started asking her questions the same way like we were just talking about. And it was was when I really realized, wait a minute, I have to ask buyers more questions to get them to talk about themselves so I can really see what they like, what makes them tick, what do they want so that I can then connect the product Mm -hmm. to their wants and desires. Because she might think that she wants Upper East Side because that's where she grew up and that's where her family is and this is this. But it turns out she's a female bodybuilder, okay? Um, and she really likes fitness, which I could tell. Um, but I didn't know to the extent. And she really likes strip clubs. Um, and she's straight, but she really liked men's strip clubs because she loved seeing women and their bodies and she would acknowledge them. And she was like friends with a bunch of, you know, with, with exotic dancers. And it was like, a it was, you know, and I had no idea it was like a year into this damn search that oh I gosh. actually found this out for her. It's like, wait a minute. I have one more thing I want to show you. <laughs> 540 West 28th Street, uh, right next to Scores, which is a strip club oh. in New York City. Uh, it's such a long time ago. A penthouse just above her budget, outdoor space with a strip club next door. Tough building to sell in because most people... You know, they're like, "Well, I have a three-year-old. Is there right. is that a strip <laughs> yeah. club?" Like, yeah, yeah, but you know, it's the it's it's the future, man. Everyone strips now. It's cool. Um, uh, I took her there. She saw that. She laughed. She thought it was funny. She bought that apartment. Wow, you, you spoke to her emotions. You speak. You speak to the desires, right? Like, what are the wants? What are the true desires? What's what is your client's love language? Um, and you dig down and all you have to do is ask questions right it's improv it's yes and and just consistently ask questions
0: if you could only ask three questions to a potential buyer or seller to get as much information as you could to then use that information for negotiations what would those three questions be and you couldn't do a follow up question it could only be three questions the answers they
1: give you or the answers they give you only three I ask a lot more questions than that I know I'd say the first question is always uh, for me anyway, let's say you're buying in New York city and I got to ask you three questions. Um, uh, is talk to me about your personal connection to the city. Mm. Right. Cause that's going to help me answer. Are yeah. you from here? Or are you not from here? Do you have mm. any connection to it? Do you love the park? Right. Do you, do you work in this? Like, what do you do? Talk to me about your connection to the city. Yeah. Um, because they'll also then talk to me about their fears of the city. Maybe there's certain parts they really don't like. Maybe mm. there's certain things they don't. Maybe they, they like to. You know, I don't know. Um, my second question is going to be, uh, where do you work? Because I need to know if they do <laughs> if go they to, want the to office. Commute
0: two hours, or if they want. Yeah, if yeah. they
1: commute? Where do you Where do you work? You know, what's that? Do you need to work from home? If you can work from home and you want to be in New York. Then that opens up a lot of things. Also, we should probably look for another bedroom because you need a Zoom room these days. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And you can get more in Brooklyn, let's say. Like instead of getting a three-bedroom condo in the city, if you work from home now two days a week, let's go get a townhouse in Brooklyn that's going to double in value in five years.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Right? Um, And then I would probably ask, um, uh, uh, are you prepared to spend more money Than you've ever thought about spending on a house, (laughs) because most people get very, very shocked. Not just in New York City; this is everywhere. Just the down payment you have to pay on the down payment. People, so I want to know one that answers me budget conversation about price. We got to talk about money, right? But it also the way you phrase that question enables me to have a emotional conversation about money with them right? And see how they answer that question. And that also shows me, are they going to be uncomfortable with me when I'm talking to them about closing costs, taxes, purchase prices, pre-approvals, talking to their husband, to their, you know, to anybody? Mm-hmm. Or are they going to be an open book with me and just say, Ryan, let's go get this deal done. This is what I got. Let's figure this out. Help me maximize my, you know, whatever the situation may be. Yeah. Those are probably the three most important questions. Everything else is filler and will help me do the deal.
0: And why do you think most people are just
1: bad at making money in general? <laughs> I think I think most people are afraid of money, honestly. What are they afraid I mean, of? Is it the opinions of the people? They're is so it they're... afraid of not having it mm. that they literally manifest not having it. If you focus so much every day on your lack of money, then your future will give you exactly what you focus on, which is a lack of money. I I believe that we have the power to predict our own future. Like we, we that was me with my Chinese buyer. Like I'm gonna be the best broker ever. I'm gonna be me in five years. I'm gonna be future me for you for three days. Let me see if I can do this um, and it works. And she buys something. Now I didn't transport myself into the future, but my brain, the way I presented myself, I, I got a suit on a debit card. I got a car service on a credit card. Right. I like, I I got new shoes. (laughs) Like, I I put everything uh, into current Ryan's wallet, which was terrible. But I carried myself with a level of confidence that I was hoping that I would be able to in the future. Um, And it like set me free. And I think so many people either focus on the money, you know how they say a watched pot never boils? Like, if you put the pot, right, like on the burner to boil water. It takes forever. You put the pot on the burner and you go watch TV and it's like, it's boiling. It's the same exact amount of time, but your connection to that time is different. Mm -hmm. Because in one instance, all you do is care about the water boiling and in the other, you don't give it. And guess what? The water still boils. So the people who focus on the money, the people who are afraid of the money will have the least amount of it. Mm.
0: Um, how do and, we shift, how do we shift our mindset around that in order to
1: attract and earn more money? So it's the same way that you present to a buyer the same way I would, uh, it's not about the money. It's about the value, right? If you want to make more money, you need to start figuring out what is your value? What can you provide? And is it to your boss? Is it to the community? Is it in the form of content? Is it in the form of flipping card? I don't know. What is your thing and what is your value that you can provide that someone is willing to pay for? Um, And then how can you maximize that value with the allotted time that you have every day? Mm -hmm. Because not everyone has the same amount of time, right? I mean, we do. We all have the same 24 hours every day. You, me, Oprah, Jeff Bezos, right? We all have the same amount of time. Um, but it's not necessarily fair to say that because some of us have three jobs. Some of us have 10 kids. Some of, you know we all have different responsibilities, so we don't have the most time to put the work in. But what is your value? And if you're in a job, let's say, so that we can talk about like a specific example, um, and you want to make more money, but you are a W2 employee and you're, or you're an hourly wage employee and you want to make more money there. You need to show that you provide more value than what your current hourly wage is and what your current salary is. So you need to start being the future role before you are the role. Mm -hmm. So a pure example of that is- Mike Tyson, when I interviewed
0: him, he said you need to be the champ before you become the champ.
1: Yeah. You Uh need to
0: train like the champ. You need to think like the champ. You need to act like it. You need to be the champ before you be the champ.
1: A thousand percent. Assume the role before you are the role. So like, I'm looking to my right. There's a, a, a girl who sits here. The majority of my company um, is run by uh, women. Um, and she started as a rental agent for me and really wanted to make more and do more, but hey, you're a rental agent, you just started, do that. She had a knack for new development. And so she started just doing new development research and putting it in front of me without me having to ask for it. Mm. I was like, okay, thanks. And I would still go to everybody else for projects, right? Not her. She's brand new. She does rentals. And then she started cold calling developers. Wow. And putting appointments in front of me. I was like, okay, but you have no idea what you're doing. I have to go with you. She's like, yeah, no, I know. Please do all the talking. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Slowly but surely, she- She's making basically you Basically- is making me money, she's showing me value, she's doing work that I have to tell other people to do, she's doing without me having to tell her to do it, which shows me that she can take incredible initiative, even though she has zero experience, doesn't know what she's doing, but she's figuring it out and willing to figure it out. And now she runs new development for me and helped me build the company that I'm I'm running mm. today um, and makes way more money than she ever did as a rental agent because she said to herself, I want to run new development for this guy. That's a big business. I want to sell towers. If I ask him to put me on towers, he's going to ignore me or that's going to be weird. So I just need to start showing my value today. Here's my value. I have extra time because I'm brand new and I have no business. I'm going to start doing research that I see his people are too busy to do. I'm just going to start presenting it to him for free. Mm. Right? Present it for free. Show your value. So that there will be a point when I realize I, I, I need her here. <laughs> I don't know, I need, could you do that same report you did for me last month? <laughs> can you do that again? Um, and presenting opportunities and presenting value. Show your value and also show what your position would be like if you weren't there. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Because when, when you're cost, not there, what is the pain that someone's going to have? Yeah, the cost of replacing you mm-hmm. is oftentimes more then paying you more. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. I, you exactly. know, every job is completely different, but I would really, really say, assume the role before you are the role, and present your value, and that's how you make more money. And if you're, if you don't have a job, then there's a thousand places you can make money. You know, there's so many things you can do today. Figure out what you like talking about. Go do that thing and do it more, and find other people who like talking about those same things. Even if it's you know, if it's movies, whatever it is, you're you're obsessed with Billy Eilish. There are ways to make money out of that mm-hmm. obsession and that passion, and you'll turn that into something else. Next thing you know, you're Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> right, yeah. right. And,
0: and what do you think is the difference between a rich mindset or abundance mindset around wealth and a poor mindset?
1: Wealthy people know how to use money. Mm-hmm. um and unwealthy people uh <laughs> they know how to spend money I I like, without being overly simplified you know that is what I've seen the best um and wealthy people also don't nickel and dime they don't because they know that their greatest asset isn't their money their greatest asset is their time mmm people who are less wealthy will nickel and dime everything because every dollar counts and they will spend hours days negotiating fighting over something and i'm like dude the amount of time that you have spent trying to save seventy eight hundred dollars and 47 cents you could have made twenty thousand dollars doing this that or the other Mm -hmm. um And so that's probably the biggest difference. The wealthy understand that their greatest asset is their time. The poor feel like their greatest asset is money. Um, And so it's about where you put your focus, right? And not being afraid of money, understanding that money is a resource, um, uh, you know, and not putting it on that pedestal. Do you
0: negotiate the same way you do with a billion dollar buyer seller, uh, the way that you do with your daughter and your wife? (laughs)
1: <laughs> aye, 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 lewis house um i really <laughs> try not to that is a a so real so you do <laughs> it is a real sticking you know i i remember i went to like a benefit charity benefit back in the day when those things used to be legal um i don't know eight years ago and this wealthy hedge fund guy was getting this award because wealthy people, they award themselves all the time, just like actors. And he got up there and he was being funny and he was like, you know, he just told this story about how he had to hire a therapist to teach him that his family are not his employees and that he can't boss his children and wife Mm -hmm. around the same way he does at work all day. And that it was tough for him because if you work 12 hours a day, the majority of your life is telling people what to do in his mm. position and then you get home and you can't do that and you have to become and a different person.
0: And you're cleaning up diapers and you're yeah, doing everything else.
1: Yeah, or you're expecting other people and it's so funny, here's my wife who's like, <laughs> who's, <laughs> she <hears> who's, you. <laughs> she's FaceTiming in, I think it's the baby probably uh. trying to say goodnight but um, um, you know, it is, uh, <laughs> I, I really try not to yeah. Um, and it is hard, man. It's hard not to take work home. It is very, very difficult. Um, and it's, it's very frustrating. It's probably like one of the hardest things that I have to consistently work on is not negotiating mm-hmm. with my family and working with the family the same day I do at work. And I saw my dad had the same struggles when I was growing up, right? He was very tough, very strict, very stern because that's exactly how he was at work and that's that was his life. Mm. Um, is definitely hard to do. What's the
0: thing about your wife you love the most?
1: A lot. My mind immediately goes to the physical. Um, uh, she has a great body. Uh, <laughs> do I love that the most? Um, it's a it's a part of it. She, to be honest, man, like we have so much in common, and we like the same amount of things. We also don't like the same amount of things. Like back when there were events and things, we would both love a good cancel. Like, oh, dude, they, they canceled? Oh, yes. Let's just sit. Let's do zero things. Just be. Yeah, yeah let's just be. Let's just like, what do you want to, let's watch a show about people being dude, brutally murdered. That's calming. <laughs> let's do that. Right? Um, but I would say she has this insane, she is like my biggest, she's my biggest fan. she, and she is so unbelievably protective that sometimes it's almost uncomfortable, mm. because I'm like, I got it, I, I you know, <laughs> I, I can, I don't worry about me, I can figure it out. But she is, you know, my beautiful rock, mm. um, and uh, will stand by me through everything and believes in me way more than absolutely anybody uh, through thick and through thin, even when I'm not there. Even when I make the mistake of treating her or anybody else like an employee, even when I put myself first every day, um, uh, she is still there. And that is very, very hard to do.
0: And what's the thing you're most proud of as a father about
1: your relationship with your daughter? Zena. So, Zena's two. Um, (laughs) My relationship with her. I am Baba. It's her. Uh, She knows I'm her dad, I think. Um, She's bilingual. She's What's bilingual, so she's, oh, that's going to go. Because my the Amelia and her her mom who live with us are Greek, and everyone's Greek, hardcore Greek from Athens. So it's Greek all day, and then Dad English, <laughs> um, and so you know she's so she doesn't speak a lot yet because there's lots of different things going on in her head. Um, I the thing I'm probably most proud of uh, is. And I, don't, I don't know why this is so, I don't know why this stands out to me. I, um, we were going to go out to the park. I was putting her in a stroller and she looked at me and she put her finger up and basically said, wait, like she forgot something. And she went back to the playroom and she came back and she got into her stroller and she had gone and she had gotten both of her fake cell phones. Um, and I, I carry two cell phones. <laughs> <laughs> and I—I I don't. Well, the, my mind immediately went to memory. Okay, it's um, like, and to wow, she watches like everything, um, and you know she will have a strong memory, and she will be good at follow up and making sure that things get done. I think mm-hmm. the ability to execute is a very, very hard thing to teach people. Um, and I think that she'll be able to, to do that. She's also super nice. Like mm. she holds kids hands that she doesn't know. She hugs people she doesn't know. And that was not me as a little kid. So I can't take any credit for that. Um, but it's like, it's awesome for me to see. Cause if I could go back in time to myself as a little kid, I would tell myself to open up, stop being so shy People are going to be your greatest asset. Mm. Please meet more of them uh, instead of just watching TV. And I don't think Zena's ever going to have that problem. She thinks like the whole world is her friend.
0: That's cool. If someone is feeling financially broke right now or just hasn't been able to break through this kind of limited amount of financial resources that have come in their life, whether they're entrepreneurial and they're broke or they're at a job that they haven't really made a lot of money from. And they're just like, how do I really do this to get to the next level? They don't have the confidence. They don't have the skills yet. They have the desire, but they don't know how to make it happen. If you could only share three next steps, three next moves from that place on how they could really set, them off, some, set themselves up for more financial success and, and really attract that big money, what would those three steps be?
1: First of all, I think step one is doing a, and I'm not gonna give you like tactical steps like, okay, here's what you're gonna do, 9 a.m. every day, right? Step one, you gotta do a self audit and you need to decide if the things that you're doing with your time, because again, think about the wealthiest people. They're not going after the money every day, they're trying to maximize their time. So time is your greatest asset. Are you making the absolute best use of your time? Is what you are currently doing for work, where you get your paycheck, Is that the best use of that time to do that job? Is there any growth there? Is there anything else you can do? Do you even like it? You don't have to love it. Do you even like doing it? Because if you don't like doing it, um, you're not gonna push yourself to do it. You're not gonna get out of bed to do it. And then you are gonna get stuck in a rut. And then you are gonna get burnt out. Um, And you are gonna be sitting there waiting, right? We all need a place to go. Like, we're all fish, man. You know, like if you're a hamster in a wheel, eventually you're just going to slow down and you're going to stop. But if you are on the river of life, like success is around some corner. It's probably not around the first one or the second one, but it's out there somewhere. And eventually, the more you work and the harder you persevere, you will be dumped into the ocean, which is going to give you a thousand more possibilities. And then you're going to say. I didn't even know this was possible for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So do that self-audit as step one and really focus on what are you doing with your time that is making you money, right? And could you do anything else? Like, for example, I was trying to model and act and very close to doing an hourly wage job to make money. And I knew that it all would have sucked. I was holding self, I was hand modeling. I was holding phones for 150 bucks an hour pre-tax uh, uh, to make money. And I thought that was awesome. you know. And so I didn't want to do that stuff anymore. Um, and so I got my license. I got my real estate license because I could do whatever I want all day long, every day to make money. And not a single person is ever going to come to me and say, listen, Ryan, I think you sold too much. You know what? That deal is too large. You're making the other agents look bad. We're not going to give you the bonus this year. Like, it doesn't happen, you know? And it's not, okay, well, I work my ass off hard today, and then I kind of take it easy tomorrow, so I'm still going to make the same amount of money this week. I work my ass off really hard. I might make $0. I do nothing. I might still make $0, but what I put into it, I'm eventually going to take out. Mm Mm-hmm. So figure out what you're doing with that time is your first step. Yep. Uh, the second step is most people, and it blows my mind, like most people have no idea the person they want to become. Mm. They, have, they just kind of go with the flow, which is okay. They follow the path. They're like, well, I got this job. Oh, I had a kid. Oh, I do this, I do that. Like, it is not that hard to look at your life like a whole movement, get a pen and a paper or use your phone, right? But I find pen and paper sometimes is good for exercises because it actually like moving your arm physically and your wrist and your hand helps you remember things. Um, uh, and we're so used to typing, your brain can't remember whether you typed a note or a text or an email because it's all the same physical movement. Um, and so if you don't write things down, important things, make sure you do it with a pen and paper because so you remember it. So, uh, uh, Write down who you want to be in 24 months and get really, really, really detailed. For me, I go out much further than that, but like figure out where you want to be in two years and maybe in two years, you're still in school if you're listening to this. So go out five years, five years. What do you look like? How much do you weigh? What are you wearing? Where are you standing? Who are you standing next to? And don't write Abraham Lincoln, like be realistic. Think about the absolute best version of yourself five years from today. What is that person doing? And if they are living the greatest life ever, write that down and then do the reverse math and figure out for yourself how you're going to get there. Rip out that piece of paper and carry it in your pocket every day for the next year. And I swear to God, you will by default have predicted your future and you will figure out how to make more money because you're carrying it in your pocket Mm. with something that you personally wrote down. Like if anyone wants like a secret little mind trick, you do that little exercise and it works. Now maybe you don't have the yacht that you wrote down for yourself, you lunatic, um, but your life is gonna be way better than it would have otherwise, right? That's step two. Um, uh, uh, And step three is honestly, do not be afraid to ask for help. Mm. I think a big fear that a lot of people have, um, uh, some people ask for help too much, okay? But most people have a fear, um, and a friend told me this, a, a fear of being embarrassed. And it's not even a fear of failure, they have a fear of being embarrassed. We are so focused on our appearance and our image now, right, social media, this, that, where'd you go to school? Where'd you go to, what what is your job? How much do you, what's your car? Like, get over your fear of being embarrassed and ask for help, ask for assistance. Mm -hmm. If you can do more and you can provide value for someone else, tell them and say, give me a chance. What's the worst they can do? Say no? Okay, great, ask somebody else. And do not wallow in self-despair and just Mm -hmm. wait. Ask for help. And if all else fails, tell that person where you wanna be in five years and say, and I think you can help me get there and this is how I'm going to help us do that. Uh, I just need an extra five bucks an hour or I need the ability to work on Saturdays. I know you don't pay overtime because of this, because of that. You tell me what else I can do, I'm gonna do that research for you or I'm gonna stock the shelves for you or I'm gonna do this for you. Um, uh, And yeah, ask for help. And put yourself in positions that might be uncomfortable, but um, they will pay you back. I think those are the three big things.
0: You're 36, right? 37 in July? 37
1: in July, yeah.
0: So I'd like you to imagine your 50-year-old self is in front of you. Yeah. You're facing your 50-year-old self, hypothetical scenario. Yeah. And you get to have a conversation with your 50-year-old self. What would you say... Your fifty-year-old self, and what would you want your fifty-year-old self to say to you as advice
1: for the next thirteen years? So I I think about this a lot. (laughs) I think about this an unhealthy amount. Uh, I should stop. I should focus more on the moment. Um, I I would ask myself, was it worth it? Was what worth it? The effort, the work. Yeah, yeah. like every was was it worth it? Like Hmm. you know, I work every day, right? I work all day every day. My eyes wake up and I work and I you know I I feed off the stress, but it it is a lot. Like I spend very little time with my wife. Hmm. It is calendared when I see the baby. Um in an alternate universe, my life isn't like that, but that's the sacrifice that I need to make right now for what I'm trying to build. Um, and I want to know when I'm 50, was it worth it? Cause maybe he says, yes, maybe he says you could have done it with a different schedule. <laughs> I don't know whatever he's going to say. Um, and I want 50 year old me, uh, one, I want him to tell me, yes, it was worth it, but I, I also think he would tell me because I would tell this to myself when I was 26 mm-hmm. You should have gone bigger mm. right you could have gone bigger like you should have you should have done it uh, because like I said my like I don't ever want to say if only because mm. most of the risks that I think we're faced with almost all of them, The worst thing that can happen is most often not death, right? So how do you push yourself to like go that extra mile? You know, you think about, I don't know, as a analogy, like physical fitness, right? If you do the same thing every day that you're comfortable with, your body gets used to it. You do not lose weight. You do not gain muscle. No matter what, even people who have gastric bypass, eventually you do the same thing over and over. You put the weight back on, okay? Because you're treating your body unlike the way you treat your mind. And so your body only changes, and it's the only body you have, if you push it that extra mile, right? Um, And I find the same thing in life. I find the same thing in business. It's why I started a residential real estate company in the middle of a pandemic in new york city when a million people left it's why i just rented fifteen thousand square feet in the middle of soho and took down a building bigger than prada like i'm not prada the am i doing (laughs) like what no real estate company has an office like that it's why i'm trying to change the game because i know that as long as i as long as i work and stay busy i will be too busy to fail Mm. it just has to work because I wrote it down that it does work, and it's in my
0: pocket. What has the biggest year in sales you've
1: done so far? What's that number been? Single year, two thousand seventeen. I closed eight hundred and thirty-eight million dollars uh, in a single year. That was the biggest year with closings. Two thousand nineteen. I did one point four billion, which was a which was. Close and sales and uh, in contract, so it was, but it was just over. It was like seven fifty and like six ninety, something like that in contract. Mm-hmm. So that was the biggest year for total transactions. So they for me, I focus on total transactions because it's it. it's the work, right? Yeah, yeah. Whether it closes this calendar in, yeah, year or not, yeah. right? Like yeah. I did the work in twenty nineteen, and then twenty twenty was like just the worst. <laughs> like twenty, we were halved. Halved in 2020. What's the goal this year? Um, my goal this year is written right over here, and it's 700 million, and we'll probably hit that by like June. Now I got to push myself even further.
0: What would it take, and what would it look like to do three billion this year?
1: Um, what would it take from you? How would (laughs) you need to
0: show up differently?
1: I just or to cross
0: two or to cross two billion. What would that look like?
1: It would it would look like a lot more people than just myself, which I am actively working on to scale the brand and scale the business, so I can multiply. Um, uh, And I learned that early. Like one of the best pieces of advice is one of the best pieces of advice I was ever given uh, when you know, as an entrepreneur, was learn how to use people, use people. Use people underneath you, use people above you. The people above you can help you get to the next step. The people below you are gonna let you step on them so that you can get to that next step and they're gonna be appreciative of it because they weren't in that position anyway. So how can you consistently use people, scale, use people, scale and grow and grow and grow? Um, uh, And most people are like, well, I can do it by myself. And that's impossible. Mm -hmm. Right? Can't build a rocket by yourself. Mm -hmm.
0: there you go a couple final questions for you before i do uh ask those questions i want people to check out this book big money energy how to rule at work dominate at life and make millions this is a really inspiring book lots of great stories funny stories great lessons principles Uh, make sure to check this out if you want to learn more about how to earn more how to make more how to uh, change your, your narrative around money as well, which I think a lot of people need to start with that is the, the energy and the mindset around money. Really, really well done book, big money, energy makes sure you guys pick up a copy, lots of different codes, practices, examples, stories, lessons, and all that stuff. This is a question to ask everyone at the end called the three truths. It's a hypothetical scenario. Again, I'd like you to imagine that it is the last day on earth for you. Many years away. You get to live as old as you want to live, but eventually you got to turn off the lights. And everything you've ever created, this episode, this book, you know, all of your content, it's got to go with you to the next place, wherever that is. So there's no information about you in the world anymore. Hypothetical scenario, but you got a piece of paper and a pen that you get to you get to write down three lessons that you've learned in your life, and you could share these lessons with the world. These are the only things you could share to have to remember you by of your information. I call it the three truths what would you say are yours?
1: Oh God, the school of greatness. What are these questions? I guess the first lesson is that um, uh, uh, people wanna work with people they like and kindness will always take you further than any other emotion, right? Uh, Even when you don't want to be kind. Um, it is important, right? Life is short and what comes around goes around. That's one. Two is you can always go further. Like, you know, there's always that extra push that you can do. There's always that extra thing. There's always that little bit of extra. You know, it's like the mom that can pick up a car if her kid's stuck underneath it. Like she's not that strong, but she went that extra money in that moment. Did she gain more muscle? Is she a soup? No, but in that moment, she could go further. The third thing, you know, for me is, it's a quote. And so I know it's a cliche one, but it it is so true. What got you here won't get you there. Mm. Um, And that's every day. And I think for people too, who feel like they, you know, well, this isn't meant for them well, I was born here, I'll never. That'll never. That'll never work for me. Uh, I'm not that smart. That I can't even get there. Right? Any any self doubters out there who read my three truths? Now that I'm dead, um, uh, sucks. That's so much more to do. Um, uh, like absolutely anything is possible, mm. right? Uh, if you believe it to be true. And whatever got you here, and if it's a situation that sucks, right? Don't worry, because it ain't getting you there. Mm-hmm.
0: Ryan, I want to acknowledge you for a moment, man. This is uh, this has been powerful and inspiring, and I and I acknowledge you for the constant transformation you make every year for your life. From starting, you know, 12, 13 years ago, making only nine thousand dollars, I think, in that first year in transactions, to now doing roughly a billion on average a year uh, and above that. And this year is going to be closer to 2 billion. And I Thanks. acknowledge you for Thanks. for 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 living in your truth, for doing the things that you really desire, for going after it all out, for inspiring people and sharing your journey along the way. You've got an amazing you know vlog and YouTube channel and all the content you create for people to show people how you've done this. So I acknowledge you for showing up, man, and for opening up here. I think it's really inspiring what you're creating. And uh, I'm glad to be a part of it. Uh, in a small way to support you through this. And I want people to get the book, again, Big Money Energy, How to Rule at Work, Dominate at Life, and Make Millions. Lots of great stories, lessons, examples, practical strategies on how to do this for yourself. So make sure you guys check this out. Uh, you are all over social media, Ryan Sirhand on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. I think Facebook is Ryan Serhand official, but everywhere else people can follow you. RyanSurhand.com to learn more about there. And I have uh, anything else that I, you have a podcast as well on iHeart uh, that people can check out that I was on. Also, if people want to hear Ryan grill me, which I thought you did, you know, your first couple of interviews, I thought you did a great job. I was like, man, you're a great interview it's Probably because <laughs> you ask people questions all day long when you're showing them real estate. So you understand the psychology of asking questions. Um, anything else we need to be aware of?
1: Last thing I'll say is... If you are looking to buy or sell a home, my email is Ryan at SirHant.com, Or you can go they, to yeah. surhant
0: People people need it in New York or anywhere.
1: <laughs> Any New York I mean we're in New York, the majority of our business is in New York, but I have you know, our, our, our platform has sixty one hundred agents in hundred and nine countries now. So uh, uh anywhere, anywhere
0: anywhere. And final question, what was that? Ryan at surhant.com as you said.
1: Ryan at SirHant.com is the email, yeah.
0: Okay. Email Ryan if you want to buy a home or sell a home. Final question. What's your definition of greatness?
1: Well, my, my mind goes immediately to like happiness. I say things are great a lot. It's like definitely one of my most overused words. I say things are great all the time. Um, and it's it's kind of synonymous with pure happiness for me. So greatness is also like the school of unbridled happiness. Um Because you can be great, but if you're not happy, life is short. Mm. Ryan Serhan, thanks, man. Appreciate you. Thank
0: you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, then do me a favor and share this with a friend. You can copy and paste the link wherever you're listening to this podcast or use lewishouse.com slash 1098 and just share this out to a few friends right now. Text it to them. Post this on social media if you enjoyed it and thought it was valuable for you. And I'd love your thoughts on what you enjoyed most from this. Please leave us a review and a rating over on Apple Podcasts right now with your biggest takeaway. And we love to share those with our greatness newsletter every single week. So make sure to post your review, what you enjoyed most about this, and make sure to subscribe over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify as well. And I want to leave you with this quote from John Maxwell who said, There are two kinds of people in this world, those who want to get things done and those who don't want to make mistakes. Which one are you? I want you to think about it because the person that wants to get things done is always going to make mistakes and is always going to be failing in in their path and process towards accomplishing what they want. So be willing to make mistakes, learn from them, keep moving forward. It's not about being perfect. It's about getting things done in a powerful way and move you closer to your dreams i'm so grateful you took the time today to be here and i want to remind you if no one's told you lately that you are loved you are worthy and you matter and you know what time it is it's time to go out there and do something great